0: So it's hard. It's hard to explain, you know. And like you said, you can't blame them. You can't get mad at them for not understanding what you're going through, for not understanding what's going on in the inside of you. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, mental health illnesses are not physical. Right. Most of the times, if somebody doesn't tell you that this is what I'm going through, you never know. Mm
1: Welcome to the show. I am your host, Anya Fombad, and I spark the hard conversations that challenge questionable cultural and societal norms that threaten the well-being of the African community. And I also share stories about growing up as Africans in Africa and in the diaspora. I strongly believe that normalizing open discussions and sharing experiences, whether good or bad, will not only make you find your voice, but will broaden your sense of purpose and empower others to do the same. So if you have ever tried challenging certain African cultural and societal doctrines, or if you have ever felt like it is about time that we confronted these issues in our African community and do better as a people. Or even if you have always been interested in learning about the experiences of other Africans growing up in Africa and the diaspora, then you are in the right place. Welcome to Living African. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. Today, we will continue our discussion on mental health in honor of May, which is Mental Health Awareness Month. And today we will be talking about post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD. So PTSD is a mental health condition that's triggered by a terrifying event. So basically either by experiencing this event or witnessing it. Symptoms may include flashbacks, nightmares, and severe anxiety, as well as uncontrollable thoughts about the event. Most people who go through traumatic events may have temporary difficulty adjusting and coping, but with time and good self-care, they usually get better. If the symptoms get worse, last for months or even years, and interfere with your day-to-day functioning, you may have PTSD. PTSD symptoms may start within one month of a traumatic event, but sometimes symptoms may not appear until years after the event. These symptoms cause significant problems in social or work situations and in relationships. They can also interfere with your ability to go about your normal daily tasks. So the PTSD symptoms are generally grouped into four different groups or four different types. So we have intrusive memories where the person basically relieves a traumatic event as if it were happening again. then you have the person having upsetting dreams or nightmares about the traumatic event. And then you have severe emotional distress or physical reactions to something that reminds the person of the traumatic event. And then you have the second group, which is avoidance. So basically trying to avoid thinking or talking about the traumatic event, avoiding places, activities or people that remind them of the traumatic event. The third group is negative changes in thinking and in mood. So the person always has negative thoughts about themselves, other people, or the world as a whole. person always has a sense of hopelessness about the future, memory problems, including not even remembering important aspects of the traumatic event, and difficulty maintaining close relationships and feeling detached from family and friends. And then the last group is changes in physical and emotional reactions. So we have the person being easily startled or frightened or always being on their guard for danger. Or you have the person practicing self-destructive behavior, such as drinking too much or driving too fast, trouble sleeping and concentrating, irritability, angry outbursts, or just aggressive behavior. And these symptoms can vary over time or vary from person to person. Now, a few facts about PTSD when it has uh, in regards to the African community. So at least 100 million Africans are estimated to have post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD, which is caused by wars, terror attacks, natural disasters, sexual abuse, and chronic violence. So in countries like the Democratic Republic of Congo, Rwanda, and South Sudan, as much as half of the population may suffer from PTSD. So today we will be talking more on PTSD with Anne Alawede, who is the author of Scars to Stars, and she's a domestic abuse survivor who has also had to deal with PTSD as the result of years of abuse that she experienced. So if you have been following the episodes of this podcast so far, you will find out that Anne actually is a familiar person to this podcast. She actually told her story in the first and second episode, which is a Till Abuse Do Us Part episodes of Living African Podcast. So if you want to know more about her story, you can go back to those two podcast episodes and listen to her story on domestic abuse. But let me just give you a brief synopsis about Anne as well. So Anne fell in love with a guy at the age of 17. And unbeknownst to her, the day she married him, was the day she gave him a pass to be her master and her his slave as she stated in her book scars to stars she was about to start a toxic cycle of domestic emotional and mental abuse and deciding to stay in the abusive relationship wounded her in a women's correctional facility where she served 58 months which was almost five years of her life as if that wasn't enough, she was transferred over to the U.S. Immigration and Custom Enforcement or ICE detainment center to be deported out of the U.S. and she had to fight to stay in the U.S. In her book Scars to Stars, she tells a long story of pain she experienced and how she was able to come out of that pain with gain and turn her scars to stars. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the lovely Anne Alabeta again to the show. Hi, Anne. Hi, how are you? (laughs) I am doing wonderful. How are you doing? I'm
0: okay. I'm doing okay.
1: Great to have you here. You're becoming like family (laughs) to the Living African Podcast.
0: (laughs) It's nice to be here.
1: I know. Same, Same here. Same here for sure. I mean, when I had that first interview with you, I definitely knew that, you know, I will be calling you back here. So I'm so glad that, you know, you are having this discussion again with us because your story actually is very inspiring. And the more we tell it, the more people get inspired. So I'm very grateful for that. So, I mean, I just want you to tell us your story again, especially your, your story of trauma and basically how that affected your mental health.
0: I was in an abusive relationship for years from when I was 19. I mean, the abuse started when I was 19. I ended up marrying the person I was in the relationship with. The abuse only got worse from their own, and I experienced... Physical, emotional, mental abuse. I think every, almost every form of abuse that you can think of, I experienced it with um, this man. And it was a, it was a very traumatic experience for me. Right. All those years. And at the time when I was being abused, I never had any symptoms or signs of PTSD. Um, right. Until I was away from my abuser. Mm. So, and I started having those symptoms like about a month, two months after I was away from him. Mm -hmm. Um, but while I was with him and while I was going through, you know, the abuse, I didn't have any symptoms of um, PTSD. And it was almost as, as if, you know, like while you're going through your traumatic experience, you know, regardless of whatever experience it is, I don't think a lot of people have PTSD at that time,
2: yeah,
0: you know, but then when you're away from the situation or when the experience is over with, mm-hmm. you start you know having those flashbacks, you start you know having that anxiety, yes. the fear that it's going to happen again. Yes. And for me, it was mostly flashbacks, nightmares. Mm-hmm. So I was away from him. When I was away from him, I was incarcerated. And mm-hmm. when I would go to sleep at night in my cell, I will have those flashbacks where I see him in my dreams, and like, he's hitting on me, his, you know, I and mean, then I have to fight with him in my mm-hmm. dreams. And sometimes I'll wake up. Yeah. From it. And sometimes it'll take me a long time. It's like I want to wake up, but I can't wake up from it. Yeah. And, you know, it's like we'll wrestle for a very long time before I'll finally wake up yeah. and when I wake up I'll feel so exhausted like I was actually you know being bitten, bitten up, yeah. punched on and, and sometimes I'm scared to go back to sleep mm-hmm. because I don't want to have to have those dreams yeah. um, anymore so that's how I experienced PTSD the flashbacks the anxiety mm-hmm. and so that whole experience of abuse is what made me Suffer so PTSD. Right. You know, that, that a part of my life that I experienced um, made me suffer PTSD.
1: Right. And I just wanted to add to what you were saying about not experiencing PTSD during the traumatic event. So that's why we even have the name PTSD. That's the post-trauma, right? Oh, yeah. So it has mm-hmm. to be after the trauma, after you experience mm-hmm. that trauma and then the effects that you have or the effects that it has on your mental health, which included, you know, that nightmares and the anxiety and everything. Basically, was there any specific, I know you, you succumbed to several years of abuse, like emotionally and physically and, you know, everything. Like, so was there any specific event or series of events that always haunted you? Like, what was the most traumatic or frightening experience, you know, you went through which actually impacted you the most when you had, like, the PTSD? I
0: think it was more of, like, the physical Mm-hmm. Physical abuse. Like I will have times when I and like like I said, mine was more of like flashbacks, mm-hmm. and, and the flashbacks came more like at night. I had I had a lot of nightmares, and I would relieve you know, the scenarios of when you know I was you know physically I was physically abused when he you know put his hands on me,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and and I would say that just relieving those the incidents you know that's what mine was more about like seeing him you know in in my uh, let's say nightmares Mm -hmm. and he's punching on me he's beating on me the emotional part of the abuse did not really affect me Mm -hmm. after i was away from him Mm -hmm. um it's more of the physical you know because it was crazy that i was away from this person and i was incarcerated i was locked up but then i'll have nights when i'm i'm like i i feel like i'm in a physical fight yeah you know you know i'm, I'm in a physical fight with him and literally wake up drenched up in sweat mm-hmm. and like tired mm-hmm. you know like really tired yeah so yeah it will happen when i relive scenarios of the physical you know, right. The physical abuse itself. Right. You know? Right. Like things are how to happen.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's pretty interesting because after all the years that you succumbed to all that abuse, what actually got you incarcerated was the very first time that you stood up for yourself to fight back. So I'd only imagine that, you know, the only time that you decided to fight back, you know, and stand up for yourself to defend yourself. That's when you were incarcerated. And then now when you're in jail, incarcerated, it's like, that's the nightmares that you have of you fighting him. So I can only imagine Mm -hmm. how traumatizing that should have been. So were you also traumatized, like from the experience in jail?
0: I can't really say that my experience in jail, like when I got home from jail, I thought I was going to have like, I was going to hear, like, you know, the, the jail cells slamming, yeah. the door slamming, yeah. stuff like that. And I was scared that that was going to happen because mm-hmm. a lot of people that, you know, told me that you might, you know, still feel like you're still in this place, even when you go home. Yeah. But for some reason, I didn't, I didn't have that. I didn't. I didn't think about that. I didn't have dreams. I was, I I think I was glad to be home Mm -hmm. and I didn't have those, you know, my PTSD experiences is more, is more of from my, from my abuse. Yeah. It's funny because when I started having them two months after I got incarcerated, I did see a therapist, and I went. I went on medication because right. she she diagnosed me. She she says I think you have PTSD and mm-hmm. anxiety, and I was depressed at some point. Too. Yeah, and she put me on some medication, and I took it for almost a year,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and it kind of went away. Mm-hmm. But I was still on my guard, like when I like now. I don't, I try to avoid, um, let's say like movies or shows that I know that are going to
1: trigger, happen.
0: um, things, yeah, things, yes, that, you know, who trigger my, you know, my abusive situation. You know, I don't, I try not to watch movies where there is abuse involved, where somebody's being abused. Um, yeah. Regardless of what, you know, or if I start watching it and I, realize that you know that comes up i'll turn the tv off real quick mm-hmm. because i know it's going to affect me right i know it's going to affect me when i lay my head down or i'll start thinking i'll start going back to what i had to you experience.
1: know, experience live yeah. with and
0: deal with an experience mm-hmm. yeah
1: yeah i was actually gonna um ask you how you know that affected your day-to-day life, especially, you know, it wasn't like a conventional life that you had. It wasn't like you were out, you were basically confined. So there was only as much that you can do. So I was also going to ask like how those symptoms of PCSE affected your life and how you managed that. I know you said you spoke to a therapist and stuff like that, but how like typically in jail, I mean, I know with what is it called with therapy, you know, medications, you also have the, basically with mental health, what's most, most important is that you're holistically well, right? So you have, mm-hmm. you know, the medications, but there are other things that you also have to do to control your mind and, you know, your thinking and all of that. So how did you manage that in jail? At least out of jail would have probably been a different scenario, but how was that in jail?
0: Well, when I went on the medication, the the reason why I stopped taking the the meds was because I didn't like the effect it had on me. Um, Mm. (laughs) It made me emotionally numb Mm. where I I didn't have, I felt like I didn't have feelings. Right. Like, um, positive or negative feelings.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: You know, something that would normally make me cry. I won't, you know, everybody's crying and I'm just like,
2: yeah. Okay.
0: What's going on? You know, or something that will make me laugh. I, I will not have a natural response to it. So that's one of the reasons why I got off the med- off the meds. And then the fact that it made me gain a lot of weight, mm. made me gain like 40 pounds. Anywhere. Oh my goodness. But, um, when I did get off the meds, one thing that I was scared of, um, was seeing people fight,
2: you mm. know, like females in jail. Fight yeah. In
0: jail. And I remember one day, um, I, I think I talk about this in my book. I remember we were um having breakfast in the dining hall one time and just two girls got in a fight. Like one of them was literally sitting next to me when,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, the other lady um approached her and, you know, punched her. Mm-hmm. And that kind of sticked with me all day, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like I saw somebody actually being, you know, punched. And that's something that had been done to me, Yeah, you know. So I didn't have a lot of triggers when I was incarcerated. Yeah. You know, once I got off the meds, I didn't have a lot of triggers.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And I tried to avoid anything that was going to remind me of. But sometimes you can't, um, you can't avoid it. Yeah, you know, sometimes you can't avoid it. Sometimes things things will happen and you have no control over
2: them. Yeah.
1: Wow, that makes sense. So, I mean, talking about avoiding things, I mean, when you were released from jail or prison, I keep calling it jail. So when you were released basically from ICE also, you came back to the same environment where you experienced all of that, basically the same city. I mean, being in a relationship with that guy, I believe you guys were in a relationship for about five years, right? Was it mm-hmm. five or six years? So it's like you, six. Oh, six years. So you most likely would have probably gone everywhere together, every familiar spot, every, you know, like, so there's most likely would have, the, the most likely would have been like places that maybe when you go, it reminds you of him or, you know what I mean? So when you were incarcerated and then you came out and then you were back to the same environment where you experienced this trauma, like, did you, also have like flashbacks or uh deja vu's and stuff like that that kinda triggered
0: you? For one, like I said, I tried to avoid. I told myself that if I wanted to help help me, I had to avoid being somewhere that will remind me of him.
2: Yeah.
0: Or um go somewhere where there's a probability that I'll see him or there's a slight chance that I'll see him. Yeah. It's crazy. I try not to drive around the area where I, you know, where he and I used to live or Mm -hmm. where um, the whole crime happened. Or I try not to go around, you know, drive on those roads. And when I do, it's very hard because it reminds me of Mm -hmm. the whole situation.
2: Yeah,
0: And it's crazy because one day I was at the store. Mm -hmm. I was at Walmart. And this is a Walmart that I... I hardly ever go to. Mm-hmm. So, I have a Walmart close to my house, but I was somewhere and I had to go to Walmart. So when I went to that Walmart, as soon as I walked into the Walmart and I looked back in front of me, for some reason I saw this guy that looked just like him. Like, oh my goodness. <laughs> you know, from the, from the back. Yeah. And immediately I just left my buggy right there and walked out of the store and drove away. Because I was scared, I was like, What if it's him? And what if he sees me? What if he says something to me? How am I going to react? To react you know, yes. What's it going to feel like? Yeah, you know. Um, and I thought about that all evening when I got home. I'm like, Oh my god, I hope it wasn't him. I hope mean, it was him. I hope he didn't see me. I hope he didn't see me, you know, panic and yeah. you know, run out of the store or anything like that. But, um, the way I cope with that is I try to avoid any place. There are places that I haven't gone to or driven past by since I've been, you know have been home because I know that it's going to remind me of him and yeah. I want to put myself in that situation.
1: Wow. That's interesting. So I suppose with the years the impact of the PTSD has obviously decreased. Am I correct?
0: Um honestly, every now and then I still have some flashbacks, right? And I I deal with them, and, and most of the times people don't know that I deal with it. Mm. Like recently, not so long ago, I've had a few, mm-hmm. but it's mostly like I said, they happen that, you know when I'm sleeping and I have this nightmare, yeah. And it's like I wake up and I can't go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. And I'm so tired the next day because yeah. I'm scared. I'm scared to close my. I'm I'm literally scared to close my eyes.
2: Yeah,
0: I. I don't want to leave that. I don't want to leave that, you know? Right. I didn't have any until recently, but I started having them like maybe two months ago. I had a few of them. Mm-hmm. But it had been a while since I had any, um any of you know, any kind of flashbacks or nightmares. But I think also stress. Yeah. You know, I think I had been stress, stressed lately. Yeah. And and I think I think that's what triggered it, right? Me being stressed, I think that's what triggered
1: me having those flashbacks again, right? So basically, when you have these flashbacks, especially or when you have this episodes where you get the PTSD, how do you manage it? Do you talk to somebody, or if not, what do you do to have control of it, of your holistic wellness?
0: I don't. I don't talk. To anybody, because you know, I talked to a few people and they just said, Oh, that's just nightmares, they're bad dreams. Oh, you know? yeah, you very know, dismissive, like people very dismissive.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: they're oh, they're it just, it's just a nightmare, it's just you know, their nightmares they happen, but it's not just the nightmare when it's like you're relieving something that you over actually experienced. A yeah. nightmare is something that you you've never experienced and you just had a nightmare, right. You know? Like you said, deja vu. You're like at a scene mm-hmm. that you, you. I've seen this before. This right. has happened to me before. You know, it's that's not a nightmare. Yeah. So I try not to talk about it. Like you know, I, because most of the times it happens at night. I'm by myself
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, in my room, in my bed, and I deal with that all night by myself. And then when you, you try to talk to people about it, I'm like oh, especially someone who is not familiar the whole PTSD thing. You know, and you try to tell them like, you know, this is what happened last night and I couldn't go to sleep. You know, they don't understand. They just say, Oh, it's just a it's just a nightmare. You know. But when that happens, I tend to stick to myself, like, you know, because I don't want to explain myself, especially to people who don't understand me. It gets frustrating, it gets overwhelming. Right. You know. But at the end of the day, I have to deal with the, the, the reality that this is what this this thing is going to happen every now and then. Mm-hmm. You know, when you go through a traumatic event in your life, you know things like that are meant to like pop up every now and then, right? You know, sometimes they it just happen. Sometimes you have triggers.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and I was I was talking to a friend one time, and I was trying to tell them that when you go through any kind of traumatic event, it's like when someone is raped mm-hmm. at the age of, let's say 17, Yeah, she could still suffer PTSD 20 years Yeah, from that experience. Mm-hmm. You know, but that's what a lot of people don't understand. They feel like, okay, because she was raped and she survived it three years later, she was fine. Well, why are you still having nightmares? Why are you still dreaming about this stuff? You know, but mm-hmm. you know, PTSD is real and it, it's, it's real yeah you know so when I when I talk about the way I cope with it when I have these nightmares or these flashbacks I just I just have to hope that I don't have them when I if I have them tonight I just have to hope that tomorrow night I'm not going to have it you
2: mm-hmm. know
0: but that doesn't stop me from thinking like oh I had this nightmares last night and I'm scared to go to sleep
2: mm-hmm. yeah. you know,
0: so it's a struggle. You know. Yeah. You know, because you you're scared that it's going to happen again. So you're like in your mind you're like just hoping that it doesn't happen,
1: you know. Right. So have you maybe considered like going to see a therapist?
0: I did.
1: Okay. I did
0: recently because I was struggling with that Mm -hmm. maybe not so long ago, like maybe two months ago. Mm -hmm. I did. They wanted to put me back on on the meds that I had taken. Mm -hmm. Um, 2015 and and I didn't want to Mm -hmm. didn't want to get on the meds anymore because again I didn't like the way it made me feel. I mean, I think you know the medication you you have any kind of you're dealing with any kind of mental health illness. Medication is good, but it just masks the symptoms. Yeah, just calms them down. It doesn't deal with the root of the problem.
2: Right. Yeah.
0: So I was telling the therapist that I I. I want to find other ways, holistic ways holistic, to, be, yeah. to deal with this yeah. because um, the trauma that I went through, the reality is that I went through that and it's always going to, it's, it's, that is always going to be a part of my life. Mm-hmm. You know? um, I'm, I might go through five years and not have one episode of PTSD yeah. and all of a sudden not have. Mm-hmm. You know, so I this time I, I declined
2: mm-hmm.
0: the medication.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: I declined the medication, and I've just been trying to cope with it the best way that I can.
1: Right. Um, I mean, I'm not sure what a psychotherapist will recommend because I believe, if I'm not mistaken, psycho therapists, they typically don't prescribe medications. They're the ones that do the counseling and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But sometimes, I mean, we all have our share of, you know, our episodes where we're mentally weak, I'd say mentally weak, because I mean, some of those moments are not necessarily a mental illness, but maybe we have our down moments. We have our, you know, most of us have gone through trauma that we don't even know about until we see things like 20, 30 years down the road. And then it triggers some kind of memory that we experienced maybe in our childhood or many several years prior. So um, I always stick to things like meditation. You know, I try to relax my mind, body, soul. I try to have that sync and stuff like that. Those are just a few things that I do. But you had mentioned something about, you know, when you wanted to confide in people and they're just being dismissive. I mean, I feel like it's very typical of our African community to be very dismissive. And most of them are not even, I believe I had a Facebook post on that. Like most people are actually not, they don't mean harm, you know, it's just that Mm -hmm. first reflex. It's just that first reaction to everything like, Oh, you're so sensitive or you be okay. Or, you know, um, it's not a big deal. Everybody goes through it or you're not the first person to go through, you know, things like that. So those are all dismissive responses that though we may just say that at first, even if we say that and end up helping the person, but those first words actually stick. And like I said, that's like the book definition of shutting someone off and I feel like that's why it's very important for us to have these discussions especially on a platform as this to encourage us to encourage each other to be very very sensitive about each other's problems if I come to you to confide in you it means I there's something about you that I respect or trust enough for you to listen to me so if I'm coming to you to talk to you about an issue especially a mental health issue my first words should not be dismissive. Rather, I should open up and welcome you with open hands and make you know that that's a safe space for you to talk and tell me whatever you want, even if I may not have the solution. But just having that listening ear goes a long way to people who are suffering or going through one thing or the other. So I just wanted to, to really emphasize the need in our community to just be very open-minded and to be more accepting and to be more tolerant, you know, of each other's story. Like, we're very fond of bashing each other down. That's why there's so many hidden problems in our community and people are so afraid to speak up for fear of being judged and stuff like that. But when we sit down and have these vulnerable moments and have these open discussions, they actually give a voice to the voiceless and help other people who are going through similar situations know that they're not alone. So that's a very important thing that I just wanted to to talk about. Now, I know this PTSD came from you know, several years of abuse. So, how has that affected your relationships? Let's just say, in terms of dating, like your dating life, like, or just meeting people, or basically just even creating friendships. Like, do you have any reservations, or are you always very cautious? Like, how has that affected your life now, moving forward, out of uh, being incarcerated? All
0: right. The first thing is like. With anybody who has been through any kind of traumatic event, when you survive that event, your your hope, your greatest hope as you move on with life, is that you don't have to ever, ever, ever deal with that again. Yeah, because trauma is not a beautiful thing. What, regardless of whatever it is that you go through, it's not a beautiful thing. Um, I would not wish it on anybody because that that stuff sticks with you. Um, mm-hmm. I remember when I, when I got out of my abusive situation, I was like, Oh my God, I'm free. I'm free. You know, I'm free from that. You know, I'll never have to deal with that again, but there's still that fear. Like, what if I meet somebody and they're, you know, they're, they're the same like him. Yeah. You you always have that fear at the same time. And also at the same time, I, I have, I try to tell myself that not everybody will be like him. You know? Yes, but when when you when you do get into a when you move when from a, an relationship and you get into a relationship, the least thing that that person does, that kind of sort of, even if it's just one little thing that mimics what that person may have done to you in the past, there's a chance that you know, it's going yes, to trigger, trigger. Mm-hmm. those memories, and so. <clears throat> To say that, have I been scared to try and, you know, talk to other people? No, I haven't been scared to to try and talk to other people or meet other people. But I still have that thing in the back of my mind, like, what if I'm treated the way that he treated me? Right. You know, and because I know that the, the, the slightest thing that is done to me is going to, you know, trigger that whole, you know, it's going to trigger that whole scenario. Yeah. You know, and like recently I had some stuff happen to me that made me stressed out and kind of sort of put me in kind of a depressed mode and I think mm-hmm. that's what kind of triggered, you know, those those events from the past mm-hmm. and I, I and I was living through another episode of you know PTSD. Right. But like I said, when you've when you've been through some kind of traumatic ex when you've experienced any kind of trauma you just have to hope that, you know, the people around you, the people that you trust are not going to put you in that position again. Yeah, you
1: know?
0: yeah. Because most of the times, especially when it comes to abuse, it's the people that we trust and the people that we care about, and the people that we love, that will more than likely do something that will put us back you know, there. People just have to relieve you know, the yeah. bad experience that we had. Yeah. So, yeah. It's more of like you just move on with life and hope and and pray that you don't get triggered. True, true. Yeah.
1: That's very true. I mean, even talking about being triggered, it doesn't even have to do only with PTSD because there are certain times when you go through something in a relationship, which is not necessarily physical abuse or anything, but you just go something, go through something in your previous relationship. And then when you're with a new person, it's like any signs of that thing that you went through and it could be considered trauma. So trauma doesn't necessarily only mean that you have to feel hurt or or severe pain it could also be something that really impacted you in a negative way yeah emotionally you know mentally but as long as it impacted you in a very negative way those are things that stick with you even as you move on to your next relationship and then it's like when you even see signs of things like that or you probably just be on your guard and even if things are not what they seem to be but if you just sense any kind of signal of that thing that reminds you of the previous relationship it can literally cause one to put their guard up you know so those are things that we have to be very mindful of the things that influence our actions and that's why i'm saying that some of us or even most of us have been traumatized from a lot of incidences growing up which have actually shaped the way we think and look at life that we don't even know that we were traumatized until we meet something else that either challenges how we think or, or reminds us of that incident that we went through when we were young. And then we now discover that, Oh my goodness, I was actually traumatized by this. And this is actually not how life should be, you know? So thank you very much for bringing that up. So from your experience, what advice would you give to someone who is going through PTSD? First of all,
0: I'll tell them that it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Um, right. And if they want to talk about it to someone, um, it will be better to talk to someone who actually has knowledge.
1: Mm, a professional.
0: about A professional, um, someone that has knowledge, because it gets um, frustrating when you try to explain any kind of, you know, especially like when, when I was depressed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard for me because I've actually, I've actually had to experience three mental health um, conditions: depression, mm-hmm. anxiety, and PTSD.
1: Yeah, and actually, four, for to... four. Remember in the book, you had suicidal ideation. Yeah, yeah, and society, yeah.
0: So yeah, you, yeah.
1: you you yeah. almost and took society. your life away.
0: Exactly. So it's hard. It's hard to explain. You know, and like you said, you can't blame them. You can't yeah. get mad at them yeah. you know, for not understanding what you're going through, for, not understanding what's going on in the inside of you. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, mental health illnesses are not physical. Right. Most of the times, if somebody doesn't tell you that this is what I'm going through, you never know. Right. And I want I want to give a prime example. I watch my friends' kids um, every now and then, mm-hmm. and so one day I was playing with her little girl in the in the backyard. And actually, this particular day, I wasn't myself. Like, Mm I was having a really, really bad day, a rough day. But I needed to be there for the kids, you know. So Mm -hmm. I had to put up this front. And when we're in the backyard playing, I scratched myself. And I didn't even realize that I had scratched myself. Like, I scratched my foot. And I Mm -hmm. didn't even realize that I had scratched my foot. And she she was like, look, and see, Anne, you're bleeding. Like, I I didn't even feel...
1: The pain, or the anything. pain, yeah. So even
0: thing that I was bleeding, mm-hmm. and when she saw it, she started screaming and she was like, We need to get a band aid, we need to get a band aid, you know. And she went and got a band aid, um, and she's, she's like seven,
2: mm-hmm. so she
0: went and got the band aid, you know. And I cleaned the wound and I put the band aid on there, you know. But when I mm-hmm. put the, you know, the band aid on there, it kind of covered everything. Mm-hmm. But this little girl was able to see. A physical cut but she didn't see what i was dealing with on, on, on the, the inside, inside. On that day. and to me that was all that mattered you yeah. know the cut on my foot wasn't i mean i didn't even know i was bleeding
2: yeah <laughs>
0: if she didn't say anything i probably wouldn't have noticed it. you know but people deal with a lot of stuff on the inside yes and so most of the times, if you're talking to somebody who has never experienced it, somebody who doesn't know somebody who has experienced it and was able to, to, to deal with it the right way. Yes. It's, it's hard. It gets frustrating, you know, mm-hmm. and it's already a, a lot that you're having to deal with that condition and then having to explain it to somebody who really doesn't, doesn't understand. understand it. It's yeah. more frustrating. And to me, I feel like it makes your, your condition worse. Yes. Yeah. You know, and so the first thing I'll tell people is if you want to talk to somebody, you need to talk to somebody who understands you. It might not even be a professional, maybe mm-hmm. somebody that you know has gone through. There are a lot of support groups out there yes. of people who have gone through the same thing that you're going through. Mm-hmm. Um, you might want to talk to them, you know, and they're they're in a better position to know the right things to say to you. Because if somebody's dealing with any kind of mental illness, most of the times, knowing the right thing to say is even more important than just being there and keeping them company. Yeah. Knowing the right thing to say is very important at the right time, you know. So I'll, that would be my first advice: like talk to somebody that that understands your situation, mm-hmm. somebody who has dealt, like you said, a professional, somebody who's dealt with, you know, people cases,
1: like, yeah,
0: have, yeah, have experienced, you know. Is there any form of mental illness, mm-hmm. and the next thing that I'll say is um, find find a way to cope with it. You yeah, know, because everybody deals with stuff differently. Yeah,
2: so, you
0: know, find a way to cope with it. You know, do things that will make you that will help you. If medication is the way for you, hey, yeah. take it.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, if
0: you think that you can deal with it without meds, you know, which I personally would prefer. Mm-hmm. Because most of the times these things come and go. Yeah. You know, so I I will not say that I'll take I'll be on a certain medication for twenty years. Yeah. Know, just because I'm scared that you know I will have yeah. an episode of PTSD. You know, mm-hmm. I'll say find something that works for you, and it's okay. It's it's okay to be different. It's okay that you're dealing with what you're dealing with. Right. Because other people have other things that they're dealing with.
2: You know? Right.
0: And I think, you know, don't be ashamed of your condition, you know, stick stick on and talk about it, Yeah. you know, um, don't be ashamed of your condition, Um, regardless of how people are going to think, what they're going to say, don't be ashamed of your condition, because you didn't choose to have PTSD, you didn't choose to be depressed, you didn't choose to have anxiety, you didn't choose to be to have O C D you know that's true. People do choose mental health illnesses. Yeah. These are things that happen. You know, people are not born with mental illness. You know? Yeah. People are born with developmental issues that are mm-hmm. mental illnesses. So, yeah. yeah. I think that's the advice that I will give to anybody. Right. And educate yourself too.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You have to educate yourself because I think if you're like I read a lot because of what I've had to do with I I do a lot of research on yeah. depression. I do a lot of research on utility. I do a lot of research anxiety and how to cope and things like that. Educate right. yourself so that you can educate your family and your friends. Right. You know, so that when you have an episode they'll know how to care for you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well that's thank you so much for adding that, you know, and I just wanted to add again and reiterate, you know, the fact that Most mental health patients cannot do it on their own. You know, you always need a community to support you. So that just, you know, stresses again the fact that we as the African community, especially, we need to be more understanding of the fact that mental health is real. I mean, I, I believe that as the years go by and we have a lot of cases, which some of them end up unfortunately tragic. but. We have come to realize that this thing is real compared to 10, 20 years back where people really did not care about mental health. I mean, most people, especially in the African community back in Africa and even in the diaspora, they cared more about infectious diseases, like diseases that you could feel. Right. I mean, depression doesn't hurt. It hurts emotionally, emotionally. But it doesn't hurt physically. So those are things that, you know, your physiology does not react to things like that. It's your emotional state, your mindset that reacts to things like that. So we need to be less judgmental and just nicer to each other because like you mentioned people go through so much and like your shirt reads like some wounds are yeah. invisible right <laughs> some wounds are yeah. invisible and i feel most wounds are invisible actually you could see somebody looking so pretty so nice so neat well-kept well-kept but inside if you just had to see what they're going through inside is such a mess it's such a mess you know so I think we need to take time to really learn and listen to one another and just be more tolerant and not always be defensive or offensive to each other, you know? So I really feel like having that support in our community, especially will really go a long way to help those who have felt misunderstood, those who have felt isolated, those who are suffering from mental health issues. So thank you so much. This was such a great discussion. And I mean, I know you had already given your contact information in episodes one and two when you were talking about domestic abuse, but how can people reach you, you know, if they have any questions or if they want to get your book and stuff like that.
0: All right. Before I give that information, I just wanted to throw something out there to sure. um, so anybody who's listening. I know, like we said earlier, most of the times, mental illness, you don't see it because it's not physical.
2: Yeah. Sometimes
0: it can, it can affect us physically and I'm going to take, you know, like depression.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, when you're depressed, sometimes it moves to the mind and it starts affecting you. Physically, you mm-hmm. know, you start your body, you know, gets stressed out, you mm-hmm. get dream, and you start feeling sick in your body. Mm-hmm. But I just wonder how people need to start thinking. Like, if you never had, let's say, cancer,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and you heard that somebody had, somebody in your family or your friend had cancer, automatically you become sympathetic. Yeah, you start, you know, oh my God, she has cancer. You know, you want to do all these things to make them. I think it should be the same reaction when someone tells you that, "Hey, I'm dealing with a mental illness." Yes. You know, just because you don't see or because you're not you're not familiar with cancer and you're not familiar with mental illness, mm-hmm. so why do you respond to both of them
2: yes. differently? Yes. You know, that's right.
0: They're both illnesses. They're mm-hmm. both real, mm-hmm. and they should. I feel like they should both be taking you know
1: seriously
0: serious. Mm-hmm. Um, they should be taken seriously. And um even with the whole suicide thing, yeah. Know, I was reading I was reading one day, uh somebody said that with somebody who has suicidal thoughts or the you know, somebody who is depressed, the thought of committing suicide it's more easy to them, sounds more reasonable to them yes the of talking to somebody. Yes. So, you know, um we really need to educate ourselves, you know, as if you have any family member who's going through any form of mental illness, the best thing that you can do for them is to educate yourself. You know and mm-hmm. understand their situation. You know that will help you take care of them better. Right. Well, the best way to reach me, you can reach me on social media and Alubuede Facebook, Instagram. If you want to purchase a copy of *Scars to Stars*, you can go to Amazon and get one from there right if you want an autographed copy you can go to my um, website and
2: and
0: purchase one from there and reach me on facebook and instagram hey
1: nice thank you so much and it's always a pleasure having you around so we have come to the end of the podcast episode and I hope that this discussion does not only end here and that we can have more of these conversations within our circles and learn to be more understanding accepting and tolerant of each other thank you so much for tuning in and and thank you so much for being part of this podcast again you're always welcome whenever and I will talk to you later thank you so much thank you for having me thank Thank you you.
2: bye
0: directly on Facebook or Instagram at Anyo Farmbard. Thanks again for listening and let's not forget to be more understanding and nicer to one another.